From the wilderness of Kodiak Island, Alaska, this is Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier with your host, Robin Bearfield. In a land full of peril and vicious animals, humans are the most dangerous predators of all. As soon as detectives saw her body, they knew someone had violently abused and murdered her. 41 years later, investigators believe they finally know who killed Shelley Connolly. Welcome to Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I'm your host, Robin Bearfield, and I'm broadcasting to you from the heart of the Kodiak National Wildlife Refuge on Kodiak Island in Alaska. Construction began on the Trans-Alaska Pipeline in 1975, and the first barrel of oil flowed through the line in 1977. This liquid gold rush dramatically shaped Alaska as money poured into the state and pipeline workers flooded the oil fields in search of profitable jobs. I've mentioned before about the early days of the pipeline. The young, predominantly male oil field laborers came to Alaska to work and play hard. For a few years, the cities of Anchorage and Fairbanks struggled to cope with the rising crime wave, not directly related to the oil field employees, but to the criminals who followed these young men to Alaska, hoping to relieve the workers of their hard-earned money. Drugs coursed through the streets of Anchorage, and strip clubs and prostitution rings blossomed. Shelley Connolly was only 16 years old at the height of the pipeline mania. She loved to party and dreamed of being a cosmetologist. On January 6, 1978, Shelley told her mother she was going roller skating with friends. But instead, she went to Chilkoot Charlie's, a rowdy Anchorage bar where the bouncer should have blocked a 16-year-old from crossing the threshold. According to the bouncer, though, Shelley was a regular at the bar and went by the nickname Snow. Witnesses, including Shelley's sister, reported seeing Shelley in the company of three young men at the bar, and the bouncer saw Shelley leave with the men between 2 and 2.30 a.m. He said the group departed in a small, dark-colored sedan. Shelley's sister and the sister's boyfriend provided descriptions of Shelley's companions to the police, but the police were never able to identify the men. We can only speculate about what happened after Shelley left the bar. The following morning, tourists discovered Shelley's body next to the train tracks near Beluga Point, south of Anchorage. The tourists stopped to take photos of Turnigan Arm when they saw Shelley 15 feet down a steep embankment. Her sleeveless blouse bunched around her neck, but her jeans were zipped closed. Detectives knew Connolly suffered a painful death. Her assailant or assailants raped and beat her 
and then dragged her for a distance from a moving car. She was still alive when they threw her over the embankment because she tried to crawl up the steep hill. Her broken fingernails, full of debris, proved she attempted to climb up to the road and summon help. This was January in Alaska, and the temperature the night Shelley died was 15 degrees Fahrenheit, or minus 9.4 degrees Celsius. Not only did Shelley have life-threatening injuries, but she had no coat and wore only a sleeveless blouse and jeans. Investigators believe she lay dying for hours in the freezing temperatures. The medical examiner found signs of recent sexual intercourse and noted Shelley suffered multiple abrasions, lacerations, contusions, and a lacerated liver caused by blunt force trauma to her abdomen. These injuries offer a glimpse of the horrors Shelley must have endured during her last few hours on earth. The coroner listed the cause of Shelley's death as a combination of internal bleeding and hypothermia. The medical examiner collected DNA from under Shelley's fingernails and from her genes. DNA testing was not yet available in 1978, but the coroner wisely saved the specimen for the future. When the local news media reported the discovery of the body of a teenage girl, Shelley's family called the police and told them Shelley was missing. They soon learned her fate. Shelley's murder occurred during the time prolific serial killer Robert Hansen preyed on women in Anchorage and the surrounding area. The year Shelley died, seven other women were murdered in Anchorage. Detectives had their hands full, and although they investigated Shelley's case, they seemingly made little progress. Crime Stoppers in Anchorage asked for information from the public on the whereabouts of a man known as Pinky, who lived in the Kenai area. And according to detectives, they interviewed numerous witnesses and possible suspects, even flying to the lower 48 to track down some individuals. None of their leads panned out, though, and the case went cold. Detectives reopened Shelley's case several times between 1978 and 1997, and police identified new suspects, but they never found enough evidence to link anyone conclusively to Shelley's murder. By 1997, DNA testing had become a reality, and the Alaska Scientific Crime Detection Laboratory developed a DNA profile from the samples collected from under Shelley's fingernails and from her genes. Detectives compared the DNA profiles from Shelley's samples to the DNA from possible suspects, but nothing matched. In 2003, investigators uploaded the DNA profile collected from Shelley to the Combined DNA Index System, or CODIS, but they were again disappointed to find no match.
Let me take a short break from the story so I can thank the folks at the puzzle game app Best Fiends for sponsoring Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I appreciate your support. I love Best Fiends. It is a bright, cheerful puzzle game designed for adults but appropriate for all ages. The funny, colorful insect characters keep you smiling, while the challenging game focuses your mind on the task of solving each level and moving on to the next. Each insect has a special skill to help you solve the puzzles, and depending on the challenge, you might rely more on the skills of one insect than you do on the others. A couple of weeks ago, I encountered level 760, called Underwater Gorge, and I was stuck on it for days. I played it over and over, convinced I would never solve it. I had to release meteor mites from six blocked cages, and the only way to succeed was to utilize the skills of my insect pals. I was stumped, though. I couldn't figure out which insects to use and how to use them. Finally, with the aid of my pals, I broke open the cages, freed the meteor mites, and moved on to level 761. I buzzed through the next several levels and was glad to get the underwater gorge behind me. Best Fiends is a great way to relax and re-energize. Give it a try. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. In 2018, when Cold Case Trooper investigator Randy McFerron read an article about a new type of forensic DNA analysis called genetic genealogy, he called Parabon Labs, the company mentioned in the piece. He asked Parabon if they would take a look at the DNA profile related to the Shelley Connolly case. Parabon compared the samples to a database called GEDmatch and found a woman in Florida who shared enough genetic material with the DNA profile to be a first or second cousin to the offender. From there, an investigative genealogist built a family tree and traced the woman's family back to Pennsylvania. He then created family trees for other top DNA matches and linked them all to a common ancestor, John J. McQuaid, who was born in Ireland in 1858. John J. McQuaid had a son named John C. McQuaid, and John C. McQuaid served in the military in World War II and was stationed in Alaska. He married a woman from King Cove, Alaska in 1943, and they had nine children. Six were girls and three were boys. All three of the McQuaid brothers were young adults at the time of Shelley's murder, and a consideration of the DNA evidence suggested any one of them could have been the perpetrator. Authorities soon learned, though, that Donald McQuaid moved from Seattle to Anchorage with his mother in 1971. Donald was a high school dropout. He worked as a laborer and had a few run-ins with the law. He spent time in jail for theft, burglary, and carrying a concealed weapon. 
1978, Donald McQuaid was on probation and living with friends in Anchorage. A few weeks after Shelley Connolly's murder, McQuaid told his parole officer he wanted to move to Kenai. Anchorage police never identified Donald McQuaid as a person of interest in Shelley's murder, but they now realized he matched the description of one of the men seen at the bar with Shelley the night she died. Their next task was to determine if Donald McQuaid's DNA matched the DNA found on Shelley's clothes and under her fingernails. John McQuaid was currently living with his brother Richard in Gresham, Oregon, a suburb of Portland. Anchorage investigators contacted the Gresham Police Department and asked them to follow Donald McQuaid and pick up any discarded DNA samples. Since DNA evidence suggested Richard McQuaid could also be the killer, authorities followed him too. Richard seemed a less likely suspect than Donald, but until experts could profile Richard's DNA, they could not discount him. After one hour of surveillance, police watched Donald McQuaid smoke a cigarette and toss the butt in the street. They retrieved this cigarette butt and another he discarded a short time later. The DNA on Donald McQuaid's cigarette butts matched the DNA samples from Shelley's fingernails and clothes. Detectives now knew which McQuaid brother was a person of extreme interest in the murder of Shelley Connolly. On August 29, 2019, Alaska cold case investigator McFerron called Donald McQuaid in Oregon and asked him about the death of Shelley Connolly. McQuaid denied knowing Connolly and said he knew nothing about her death. Investigators next approached McQuaid's roommate at the time of Shelley's murder. The roommate called Donald McQuaid and investigators listened to the conversation. While talking to his friend, McQuaid said he made many mistakes when he was drunk, but he did not admit to killing Shelley Connolly. Oregon police arrested Donald McQuaid on August 30, 2019. Investigators said the other men seen leaving the bar with Shelley on the night of her death are still under investigation. Shelley's mother, Judy, has been an outspoken advocate for her daughter over the years, making sure Anchorage police and the residents of Anchorage did not forget about her daughter and her unsolved case. When the Alaska State Troopers contacted Judy to tell her about the arrest of Donald McQuaid, she said she was flabbergasted. She said, I never thought I'd see this day in my lifetime. She said she felt disbelief happiness and sadness, and added, 41 years is a long time of grieving. When investigators confronted McQuaid with evidence proving they found his DNA on Shelley Connolly, McQuaid changed his story, saying he might have had sexual intercourse with Connolly in 1978. He said he did not remember everyone with whom he'd had sex. He again denied murdering Shelley Connolly. 
McQuaid's brother Richard does not believe his brother is guilty of killing Shelley Connolly. He said, I have felt, and I have talked to other family members, we have never noticed that type of behavior ever in Donald. Richard said his brother has trouble remembering details from so long ago. He told reporters his brother is distraught and is trying to remember back to those days. Richard said he had no idea if his brother knew Shelley Connolly or was at Chilkoot Charlie's on the last night of Connolly's life. Richard said Donald had alcohol issues in those days. Donald McQuaid was extradited to Alaska and held in the Anchorage jail with a $1 million bail and a requirement of a third-party custodian. In March 2020, Alaska's Court of Appeals released a decision stating the COVID-19 pandemic constitutes a justification for defendants to request bail review hearings. Donald McQuaid's attorney requested such a hearing. He said Donald has stage 4 liver cancer and is diabetic, placing him at high risk of complications if he contracts COVID-19. McQuaid's attorney proposed McQuaid be released after posting $2,500 cash plus a greater amount of unsecured bail. McQuaid also requested to be allowed to return to Oregon with a waiver of extradition and a requirement to report to the state's pretrial enforcement division by phone once a week. Judy Connolly, Shelley's mother, called the request ludicrous and testified against McQuaid's release. She said, he just stole her life. And even though he's sick, I don't think he deserves those privileges anymore. Judge Kevin Saxby said he did not believe Donald McQuaid was a danger to his community in Oregon, but he did consider him a flight risk, and he felt the proposed cash bail was too low. Instead, the judge ordered a $10,000 cash bail plus a $50,000 unsecured bond. The judge also required McQuaid to purchase a round-trip plane ticket and sign an agreement waiving his extradition rights. The judge also ordered McQuaid to wear an ankle monitor so authorities can track him at all times. The murder of Shelley Connolly was the second cold case Alaska investigators solved by using familial DNA genealogy databases. Authorities arrested Stephen Downs in Maine in 2019 for the 1993 sexual assault and murder of 20-year-old Sophie Sergi at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks. Like Donald McQuaid, Stephen Downs maintains his innocence. In 2020, cold case investigator Randy McFerron used familial genealogy to find the killer of Jessica Bagan. Jessica was murdered in Sitka, Alaska in 1996. Her killer committed suicide before troopers could take him into custody. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode.
Thank you to my patrons for your support. Check out the show notes for more information on how you can support this podcast and unlock extra episodes by joining the Last Frontier Club. You can also search for this podcast on Patreon to learn more about the Last Frontier Club. I'll see you soon for the next episode of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier.